0: Well, good evening. Good to see everybody tonight. I hope you've had a good week. Uh, let me just remind you if you're there with us on fa- on any of those social media platforms, we're there on Facebook, uh, we're on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, uh, we're on Highland Baptist Tullahoma at Uh, on YouTube, so check us out on any of those. If you need our phone live streaming number, you can call the church office at 931-455-0645. If you already uh, are subscribed to that, it'll still automatically call you uh, unless you unsubscribe uh, to it. So you can uh, give us a call and let us know you wanna be unsubscribed or the next time it calls, it gives you that option uh, to do that. So uh, be sure to check us out there. If you're gonna share prayer requests with us tonight, be sure to do that on Facebook. That's where we'll be looking at uh, for. those prayer requests tonight. Uh, While you're there on our uh, church website, we encourage you to go to hollandbaptistchurch.com there. Go to the info tab. It's there that you can download the worship bulletin. If you need these in person, they are uh, in the windowsills at the doors as you leave. Be sure to get one of those. Uh, You may even want to get one now. Uh, Under that same info tab, you can download the children's worship bulletins. If you need those, ages three and up, ages seven and up, they're in the windowsills over here if you're here in person. And then also under that same tab, you can download the church newsletter, uh, which is up as well as tonight's prayer list. So be sure to go ahead and get that downloaded. Uh, Help us by going through that list and letting us know any updates that you may have. Maybe you've given us a prayer request. But there's an update that you need to give with us. If you're here tonight, you can do that also when we do our prayer request time. But go ahead and get that downloaded, the prayer list, so that you can be ready with us when we get to that point. While you're there on the church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Uh, You can do your online giving there, so I encourage you to take the time to do that. Uh, You can do that in person if you want Uh, also. uh, You just go to our website there and and click that far right-hand tab. Easy platform to set up there, or you can drop it by the church anytime, Monday through Friday during our business hours, or you can send it to the church at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388. And if you're here in person, you can drop them in the plates. Uh, as you're here. Also, don't forget our uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering as we're continuing to collect that, seeking to reach our goal. Uh, God has blessed us with uh, many, many thousands of missionaries across North America, much less the thousands that are around the world that we support uh, each and every Sunday. But these two special offerings, our our Lottie Moon Christmas offering that supports international missions and the Annie Armstrong that supports North American missions, uh, are vital to that work. So we want to encourage you to pray about giving. to that offering, we have some special offering envelopes uh, that you can put that in uh, that are around that say Annie Armstrong on it. Uh, You you can also uh, just put that in your regular envelope and make sure to to designate on there that you want to do that. And if you're giving online, uh, you can also designate what you want to give out of that gift that you give to which portions you want to give there. And then one last thing too, um, I think we're just about out of the Jesus uh, Life of Jesus books. We've got a couple of those maybe left if you need one of those. If you're here in person and you need one of these, uh, the pro- Revelation prophecy charts. Uh, from Dr. David Jeremiah that we're kind of using as a guide for us through the book of Revelation. Encourage you to pick up one of these. They're down here on the front. We can get you one of those before we get started. If you'll just raise your hand, somebody will be glad to come around and give you one of those. And we do have some more of the number charts uh, printed. We'll be using that a little bit tonight as we look at some numbers in this passage uh, tonight. But these two things are available for you. If you're at home and want these, uh, please be able, be sure to call the church office at uh, 931-455-0645. Leave us a message uh, that you want those resources. We'll send those out to you free of charge. Uh, also, if you... Um, um, want the book uh, let us know and if we do have one uh, we'll get that to you also that goes along with our Sunday morning and Sunday evening services so I think that's it until we get to our prayer list Brother Mike if you'll come take out your hymnals
1: and uh, join us as we sing 202 in your hymnal I'll hail the power of Jesus name Miss Pat
0: That song goes right along with our message tonight that we're going to be uh, looking at, that we're going to be singing that everlasting song uh, there at the throne. So uh, get ready. (laughs) If you're not ready now, you're going to be spending eternity uh, doing it. So uh, go ahead and start practicing. Uh, Let me encourage you, uh, again, if you are there on any of our social media platforms, if you're on Twitter, YouTube, uh, or if you're um, on any of those, please go to Facebook to give us uh, any of those uh, updates uh, that you may have so that we can share those. Uh, That's what I am looking at here on my phone. Uh, to keep up with those. And just to remind you, we do have some of these cards if you want to share those with individuals of all those social media platforms. We have some new ones that we've made up, Uh, so you may want to pick up one of those uh, tonight also to share with your friends. Uh, So as you take a look at your prayer list, uh, let's just go ahead and and go down our Highland Baptist Church family uh, side there at the bottom. Uh, We won't go through every Uh, portion of the list there just to give you an update. We haven't given an update lately on Christopher. He's doing well. Uh, He actually went to Michigan, I believe it was, uh, last week uh, with some of his friends from college. Uh, He's still doing therapy uh, and things are going well with that. Uh, It'll be a while before he's able to run and to do all the qualifications for his Uh, Air National Guard uh, to be back to full duty with that, but everything looks well and is going well uh, with his uh, Rehabilitation his therapy with that. So we praise the Lord for that. Uh, Also uh, Jack, how are you doing? Okay (laughs) Okay, so Jack Dowd if you're there with us online, he's doing better. So uh, we praise the Lord for that and Steve You're doing good Okay, so Steve has his next cataract surgery next week on the other eye, so keep him in prayer for that. Uh, Linda Hawker Smith had her surgery on her hand, and she's still recovering from that, so keep her in your prayers. Be with Tracy Henderson and her family in prayer for the passing of her father, uh, Tommy Bass. uh, And I have not gotten anything from them about the arrangements, but I know it was supposed to be in Mississippi either today or tomorrow is what they were hoping uh, that that would have uh, been the case. Um, on the um, On Aaron, let me just say that her surgery went well. Uh, she was awake. Uh, the family had not gotten to see her when I uh, spoke to them a little bit before service tonight, uh, but she did do well through the surgery, so continue to pray they 'll have another appointment you know next week to follow up with the results of everything and so we just continue to pray that the results will be good when they get that report next week um, On the friends and family side, uh, if you'll remember uh, Mamie Thompson, uh, we've moved her, uh, just a reminder there, from the nursing home assisted living list. Uh, She's in her own apartment now, but do continue to keep her in your prayers. Be in prayer for Brenda uh, Brady Holder, uh, who's having eye surgery on the 12th, and her nephew, uh, Ryder Brady, who has ear tubes, and then also the the family of Betty Prouty. Uh, And then we were given one uh, tonight uh, of Charlotte Kirsteins, uh, who is in NHC with medical issues. Uh, and this is the Wells family that's asking Sandra Wells and Leanne and them are asking prayer for her at Charlotte Kirsteins, uh, who is in NHC. So keep that request, uh, in your prayers. Any other updates that we know of? Yes. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Have you heard any more about Miss Birdie? She's doing better. Okay. I know they had had to take her. Okay. And it was about a place on her knee. So just keep her in your prayers, Miss Birdie. Uh, but we praise the Lord, things are going well there. Good. Good. All right, and so we have Johnny Barnes. She's on the HBC family side there. If you'll uh, remove her from the list, she's doing good. I'd ran into her when she was going in the hospital for uh, some issues there, but things are good. So we praise the Lord for that. Any others, any other updates, any other additions? Checking Facebook there to make sure. Don't see any right now on Facebook, any others? If you are there on any of our social media platforms, hop over to Facebook at any time. At the very end, we'll we'll take a look, glance back at Facebook to make sure none have been added there, and and we'll update those at the very end of our time tonight, too. So uh, don't think that just because you don't get it in right this second, we missed it, Uh, but we'll check it at the very end. Anybody else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, uh, then, uh, as we begin tonight. Heavenly Father... We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us. Thank you for your presence with us and walking with us and talking with us and leading us and guiding us along life's way. Father, we pray that uh, as we come into your presence tonight, we humbly come acknowledging, Lord, that you are the creator of this universe and the sustainer of our lives. And there is nothing that we come before you in prayer uh, that we deserve for you to answer. Lord, we are just humbly coming before you, calling out for your grace and your mercy upon each one of these that we have upon our prayer list, as well as others who are on our hearts, uh, maybe others that we haven't even mentioned yet, or maybe even unspoken needs that we have in our own hearts and our own lives. And you know those needs, Lord. And so as we, in our own hearts, cry out to you about those needs. May you hear us, Lord. But we know that you have told us repeatedly in many places in your word uh, that if we hold on to sin in our lives, uh, if we don't forgive others, uh, you will not forgive us. If we hold on to sin, you will not uh, hear our prayers from heaven. There are many things that can hinder our prayer walk with you. And so, Lord, we come before you tonight to ask you to forgive us of any of those things, to cleanse us with the precious blood of Christ. Lord, if there are things that are there that maybe we don't even realize that we've done or we've thought, uh, Father, I pray that you will bring them out into the light of the truth of our of our lives to show us so that we might confess Uh, those things specifically uh, father as we confess our sins if there's any uh, thoughts of of anger or any thoughts of greed or uh, any ungodly thoughts at all father i pray that you would forgive us any actions that we have done or maybe lord there's some things that you've commanded us to do that maybe we've not done and we've been disobedient by not doing the things you've told us to do that we already know is your will and so father we pray that you would forgive us for those things we don't want anything lord to hinder our talk with you, we don't want. We want to be able to pray, Lord, powerful, effectual, fervent prayers, and to see you answer in great and mighty ways. And we have seen that, Lord, and we give you the glory and all the honor, uh, Lord. We know that it is by your power that you have brought about uh, many healings that we know of, that we've even reported tonight of, of good reports of things that are going well in people's lives, as as well as the miraculous uh, that has happened. And so, Father, we just pray that you will continue to show your faithfulness continue god to help us to trust in you and to depend upon you and to know that you will see us through uh, safely to the other side lord i pray that uh, as we come before you for each one of these you know their hearts you know their lives you know the the specific physical need of all those we've mentioned and even the others that we <clears throat> maybe didn't verbally mention but they're mentioned in writing here Father, we just pray for you to divinely intervene in their hearts and in their lives and to bring that powerful healing. Uh, Lord, not only for their sakes, we pray for the good to come into their lives, but we also pray that you would use it for your glory, for your honor, to be able to use it, Lord, as a witness to others uh, of your saving grace and your mercy. That as you bring physical healing, more importantly, you can bring a spiritual healing to our lives. And so help us to communicate that to others, Lord, through those healings that you bring. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, we, we praise your name for how you powerfully and wonderfully work daily in our lives. Even when we don't always see what you're doing, we know that you're working. And so Father, I pray that we will continue to trust in your goodness, to trust in your, in your majesty and your glory that you know best for our lives, that even as we bring requests before you, There may be selfish requests that we're asking that we don't even realize are selfish, and you've told us, no, you don't need that. Or maybe you've told us that we need to wait. So, Father, I pray that we would be able to to humbly surrender and to submit to whatever your answer might be in any of these prayers or any of our personal prayers that we bring before you. Uh, Lord, that you would use it, Lord, a- as a means to-, to show yourself in our hearts and our lives, to-, to draw us closer to you and to begin to understand more faithfully what it is you're trying to teach us, what it is you're wanting to do in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we're not the first individuals that maybe you've said no to and, and probably won't be the last. And so, Father, I pray that as we hear sometimes that answer no, that we will rest in the peace and the assurance to know that when you've said no, Uh, There's a reason and there's a purpose, and it's for our best uh, and for your glory. And so, Father, I pray that we will trust in that. But, Lord, we do pray for each and every one of these and and others, too, that you will hear our prayers and that you will answer. And we pray that it will be a yes answer, Lord. We pray that you will bring those healings divinely intervene, because we know you're the great physician. We uplift them to you and place them in your hands. Lord, there are many people on our hearts, people who are in our families, our neighbors, Uh, others around us that we work with, people we know in the community who don't know Jesus as our Lord and their Savior. And I just pray, God, that as we continue this study through the book of Revelation, may you give us a fire and a passion in our hearts to want to and a desire to tell people more and more uh, about the gospel message before uh, this great and terrible day of your judgment comes. Uh, Father, I pray that we will tell them before it's too late. So lead us through your word tonight. Help us to understand your truth. Uh, Lord, help us to have wisdom and discernment as we uh, look at the meaning of each one of these passages and verses. And Father, I just pray that you'll make yourself known to us and your will known to us through Revelation chapter 5 tonight. Help us, Lord, also to have that assurance and know that no matter what's happening around us in this world, no matter how uh, troublesome the things may be in our own hearts and our our own lives, one day the King is coming again. Help us to know you're on your throne, and Lord, that you are looking forward to that day when you will tell Gabriel to sound that trumpet, and you will send your son Jesus to call your church home. We look forward to that day, but until that day, help us to remain faithful in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 14 is where we're going to be at uh, tonight, 1 through 14. Uh, We're going to be looking at this entire uh, chapter. Uh, if you need uh, one of the revelation charts they're down here on the front, one of our guys will be glad to come around and give you one. The numbers charts uh, are there also. Just raise your hand if you need one of those, if you don't have uh, one of those, or Our ladies will even uh, do that for you. <clears throat> All right, well, tonight I've entitled the, tonight's message, The King is Coming. And even though you may not be aware of it, sometimes we forget it, the Bible, when it was originally written, didn't have the chapter and verse divisions that we have in our Bibles today. Uh, when Paul was writing or John was writing, they didn't put chapter one and then chapter two or verse one, two, three, four. Uh, those those notations uh, were not there. Uh, and, and these were added later for our convenience in studying the biblical text. So actually, there's not really a division between chapter 4 and chapter 5 because chapter 5 is simply a continuation of the worship service that we saw last week in chapter 4 and if you haven't uh, followed up with these messages that we're going through revelation or the study that we're doing on the life of jesus you can go to our youtube channel all of those are there you can search them in in facebook also it's a little more difficult to do it there uh, but you can find them easily on our youtube channel there Uh, And you can just see them Sunday after Sunday or Wednesday after Wednesday on the Revelation series. And I'd encourage you to go back and watch those. We have individuals who are watching those even though they can't be with us in service on Wednesday nights even. And so understand that. Chapter 5 is just that continuation uh, of Chapter 4. But Chapter 5 makes up what may be the most important chapter in the entire Book of Revelation, because think about this. Have you ever buttoned a sweater or buttoned a shirt and you put the wrong button in the wrong hole? What happens? You wind up with one too many holes or one too many buttons, don't you? <laughs> you know, and it's important for us, especially as we're studying Revelation, to get it right from the beginning. Uh, the same thing is true when we interpret this chapter, because this chapter contains. The key, if you will, to properly understanding the rest of the book. If we misunderstand what's taking place in this chapter, then you could misunderstand the rest of the entire book of Revelation. And that's chapters 4 and 5, and, and but especially 5 as we have it noted in our Bibles. In, in verse 1, We're told here about a scroll. So uh, look with me, if you will, at chapter 5 and verse 1, and let's read that verse. He says, Then I saw, so this is after the worship here, Worthy are you, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you've created all things, and by your will they existed and were created, in verse 11 and then verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. Now, this scroll happens to be uh, the most important document, if you will, in all, all of history. Uh, the Constitution of the United States, the Declaration of Independence, as important as they are, pale in comparison to, this, uh, to the significance of the contents of, of this scroll. This scroll represents, if you will, the title deed uh, to all the earth. Uh, We're given an example of what this scroll refers to. When you look back in the Old Testament, and that's one of the things we're going to see all the time through Revelation, we're going to jump back to the Old Testament because there's things that help to explain uh, the passages here, uh, letting the Bible interpret the Bible. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 6 to verse 15, if you're taking notes give us an example of what this scroll refers to. Uh, God had revealed to Jeremiah that Jerusalem was going to be overthrown by the king of Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah has a cousin named Hanamel uh, who owns a piece of property. And God told Jeremiah to buy this property from his cousin as a sign that one day God's people would be returned to their land. So look at verse 6. Uh, of Jeremiah 32. You'll see these verses on the screen if you don't want to turn there right now in your Bibles. But Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, By my field that is at Anathoth, uh, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin. The prophecies fulfilled. Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. That's one of the ways you can know the word of the Lord when you see it being fulfilled, and that's what we see happening here. And so he tells us in verse nine, and I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase, Containing the terms and conditions and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard. I charged Baruch in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds. Both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. So when Jeremiah bought the property, the title deed was given over to him, and it was sealed up in a scroll. And this scroll was to be the future deed to this piece of property. The scroll that John sees in this chapter is the title deed to all the earth. So the one that Jeremiah sees there is for that specific piece of property there at Anathoth. The one John sees is for the entire earth. God intended for his people to inhabit the earth and to be in control of it. But Satan has usurped uh, our place. Uh, He took it first from Adam, and now he exercises dominion over it. And this scroll is the official document that will determine the final outcome of human history. Uh, Now, the focal point of this scene, notice what chapter 4 was focused on. Do you remember? On the throne. When we come to chapter five, in chapter five, the focus is now on the lamb. Uh, Jesus is referred to as the lamb only twice in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, seven, Jeremiah 11, verse 19. He's referred to as the lamb only twice in the gospels. Both of those times in John's gospel. In John one, verse 29, and in verse 36 in chapter one. Only once in the book of Acts, Is he referred to as the Lamb in Acts chapter 8, verse 32, and only once in all of the letters, Paul's or Peter's or James's or anybody's uh, or John's letters? uh, He's only referred to once in the letters in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. uh, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb. But here's what I want you to get. Because if you remember when we talked about uh, interpreting Scripture before, a year, year and a half ago, uh, we talked about that when there are things repeated in the Scripture, that's important. You ought to pay attention to that. There's some significance to it. What we see is that four times in this chapter, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb. Twenty-eight times in the whole of the book of Revelation, he's referred to as the Lamb. So that's significant because nowhere else in all the rest of the Bible is Jesus referred to as the Lamb than in this book, in the book of Revelation. And nowhere else does it refer to him that many times, even combined, uh, combining all those places. And so what I want you to see about Jesus as the Lamb is, first of all, I want you to see the preeminence of the Lamb, the preeminence of the Lamb. You're going to see this in verse 2 down through verse 7 and then verse 9. So immediately, when you begin into verse 2, we're shown a very strange scene, that an angel comes forth asking this in verse 2. He says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals, or loose its seals? do you hear that? It's nothing. Silence. Silence in heaven. The question is met with a deafening silence. Because we're told in verse 3, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. So get that picture here. There have been many who have been willing to take the deed of the earth, in other words, to try to control this earth. Alexander the Great tried to take over this world, and he did conquer all the world that was known uh, to him, uh, but he didn't conquer the world that he didn't know. Uh, Napoleon tried to conquer the world, but he met his Waterloo. Remember, Adolf Hitler had it in his heart to try to control the entire world and to populate the world with his master race, but he too failed. Because you see, the question wasn't, who is willing? The question is, who is worthy? That's important for us to see. Because a search had begun through the entire universe, They looked in heaven, the dwelling place of God. They looked on earth, uh, the dwelling place of men. They looked under the earth, the dwelling place of the dead. But no one was found who was worthy. They looked in heaven, but no one was worthy. I mean, think about all those who would have been in heaven. Think about Michael, uh, the, the guardian angel of the nation of Israel. He was there, but he couldn't do it. He kept silent. There's Gabriel. The one who's going to blow the trumpet to sound the coming of the king. The greatest trumpet player the world has ever known, but he couldn't say a word. The prophet Isaiah, uh, who, who could say, here am I, Lord, send me. He couldn't step forward. You think about Peter who said, I'll never leave you, I'll never deny you. He held his tongue. You think about James and John who said, we want to sit, remember that discussion? We want to sit on either side of you in the kingdom of heaven. But they couldn't step forth. There was no prophet, there was no patriarch, there was no preacher who could be found to open the scroll. They looked on earth, but they could find no one. No one in the world of science could open the scroll. No one in the world of philosophy could open uh, this scroll or say a word. No one in the world of politics had the influence to open this scroll. So no no president, no king, no prime minister, no dictator, no one on this earth could step forth and say, I'll open the scroll, I'm worthy. Then the Bible says they looked under the earth, but neither the devil nor his demons nor all the demons of hell put together could open the scroll. And that was an awful tragedy. Now, in our perception, as we're just reading through it, we just breeze right on through this. But notice what happens here after verse 3. So nobody is found in heaven, nobody's found on earth, and nobody's found under the earth. And notice verse 4. And I began to to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. What an awful tragedy that it broke John's heart. Not just a little sniffle, Notice he is wailing, he is crying out loud, Uh, he is weeping loudly. Why was John so broken hearted? Why was he so upset? Because here's what John knew. John knew that if the scroll wasn't opened, there would never be retribution of the wicked. There would never be a restoration of Israel. There would never be the reign of Christ over all the earth. The believer's prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, would never be answered. And worst of all, Satan would forever reign on, over this earth. But then notice, just when it looks like all hope is lost, he has been weeping Loudly, notice verse 5. And one of the elders, remember one of those 24 elders, said to me, I wonder which one it was. One of them comes to him and says to him, Don't cry anymore, John. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. There's only one who is worthy, and his name is Jesus. So why, of all the created beings who've ever lived, is only Jesus worthy? He's worthy, one, because of creation. If you look back to chapter 4 in verse 11, because remember we said there's really no division between these two chapters. In chapter 4 and verse 11, we read that it says, Worthy are who? You, are Lord and God, speaking of Jesus, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The reason why Jesus and Jesus alone is worthy is because he made the world. It has his stamp uh, on it. Everything on this earth has on it made by Jesus. Like we have made in America, made by Jesus. If it wasn't made by Jesus, then it wasn't here. One of the greatest statements of the deity of Jesus is found in the book of Colossians that Paul wrote in Colossians 1 and verse 16 and verse 17 that says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold Together, Why does he deserve the title deed to the earth? Because he made it. Because he created it. It rightfully belongs to him. Secondly, we see he's worthy because of the cross. He's worthy because of the cross. Look on down in chapter 5 to verse 9. Verse 9 says, and they sang a new song, which we'll get to that part in a little bit. They sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So understand this Jesus not only created this world but when it was lost through the fall of man he bought it back. So get the get the idea here the purchase this scroll is the, is the deed, and he's purchased it back again. He gave his blood on the cross of Calvary, not only to redeem a rebellious world, but to restore a, a ruined creation. This redemption is described in Romans chapter 8 and verse 21. Romans 8 verse 21 says this, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The world, understand this, the world as it is now isn't the way God created it. Nor is it the way God intends for it to be. The Bible tells us that one day the desert will bloom with the rose. And one day the rose will have no thorns. And one day it'll be all honey and no bees. Today we're living in paradise lost, if you will. So think about this, that it was lost by who? By the first Adam. But it was redeemed by the second Adam, Jesus, through his shed blood. He's worthy because of the cross. But he's also worthy because of the crown. He's worthy because of the crown. Go back to verse 5. So when the elder spoke up to to John and said, "Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals." Notice we're told in verse five he is the root of David. Why are we told in verse five that he's the root of David? Because di- David in the Bible represents a royalty. Uh, he's of the line of the kings. You see, Jesus he was also the root of Abraham. Uh, he was the root of Moses. He was also the root of Elijah, but primarily he was the root of David because David is the preeminent king of God's people. And the kingdom of this world belongs to him of the line and the lineage of David. And that's why when Jesus was born, we have that lineage that goes back to David to remind us he's of that lineage. So Satan, understand this, Satan is never called the king of this world because he's not. He's called the prince. Princes don't have the same power and the same authority as a king does. He's called the prince of the power of this age. Satan is a prince sitting on a throne that rightfully belongs to a king. Who's the king? Jesus is the king. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And one day, the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of kings, is going to take back his rightful place as the ruler of this world. He made it with his hands. He bought it with his blood. He has promised it by his heavenly father. And one day, he's going to unroll the scroll, and he's going to exercise his authority over this world. Jesus isn't this world's best hope. Jesus isn't this world's greatest hope. Jesus Jesus isn't even uh, this world's best religious hope. Jesus is the world's only hope. And many are willing, but only one is worthy. Many are desiring, but only one is deserving. Many are prominent, but he alone is preeminent. So get the picture there. As we see in the second part, the picture of the Lamb. You see the preeminence of the Lamb. Now notice the picture of the Lamb. We saw some things here in verse 5 that we're going to go back to, and then also in verse 6. So notice, isn't it amazing that John never mentions the Lamb in chapter 4? Think about that. He's looking all around heaven. He's talking about the streets of gold. He's talking about uh, all all those beautiful things there. How could he have missed the lamb? Because the lamb was in the middle of it all. And yet John was so taken up with the throne. That's what we read about in chapter four. We read about the the emerald rainbow. We read about the sea of glass. We read about the cherubim and the the elders and the, the living creatures and the thundering and the lightning. But it's like he completely missed the lamb, and yet the lamb was in the middle of it all. Heaven is going to be a wonderful sight. It's going to be wonderful to see those gates of pearl, and it's going to be awesome to walk on those streets of gold. It's going to be precious to relax in the the light of that emerald rainbow. It'll be fascinating to hear the multitudes of of angels in heaven. It's going to be interesting to, to walk on that sea of glass. It's going to be refreshing to take a drink out of the river of life. It's going to be exciting to sit down and to talk with Abraham and and David and Moses and Peter and Paul. But even with all of those things, without Jesus, heaven wouldn't be heaven. Because that's what makes heaven. Heaven is Jesus. But as John begins now to zoom the lens of his heart to zero in on the Lord Jesus Christ, notice how the lamb is described in this picture. Now notice the first thing. We're thinking, okay, where's the land? Powerful as the lion is the way he's first described in verse 5. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. In Genesis chapter 49 and verse 8 through verse 10, Jacob prophesies that it's from the tribe of Judah that the Messiah will one day come. And and this is one of the first references to this, that he describes the offspring of Judah as a lion's whelp. Notice what he says about the lion in in Genesis 49 and verse 8 through verse 10. Judah, your brothers, shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. And then notice what verse 9 says. Judah is a lion's cub from the prey my son you have gone up he stooped down he crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him the scepter shall not depart from judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples now the lion we know is the king of the jungle And that speaks to us about the kingly character of the Lord Jesus Christ who is coming to this earth to rule and to reign over all this earth. We so often have the picture of the gentle Jesus, of the meek and mild Jesus. But one day he is coming to this earth as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as a king and as a judge to take vengeance on all those who rejected him. That's the first image that we see in this picture. But then we see also him pictured as precious as the lamb. Notice verse six. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, the 24 elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So notice here, John turns fully expecting to see a lion, but instead he says here, I see a lamb. Here in the middle of the throne, in the middle of these elders, in the very center of heaven, stands a lamb. Now the Greek word for lamb here means like a little pet lamb, if you will. That's a baby lamb. There's nothing so weak and so helpless and so defenseless as a little lamb. And that's the word that's being used here. So remember that in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, we're going to see that Satan is described as a great red dragon. Sounds powerful, doesn't it? The Antichrist is described as the beast out of the sea. And then there's the false prophet. the the counterfeit uh, trinity from hell uh, against all these three evil persons, against these militant foes and enemies of God which are amassed on earth and in hell, uh, numbered by countless millions, what does God send? A precious little lamb. That lamb is precious in his sacrifice. That lamb, verse 6 tells us, stood as though it had been slain. So John immediately recognizes Jesus by the wounds that are on his hands. The only man-made thing that you're ever going to see in heaven are the wounds on his hands and on his feet and in his side. Jesus identified himself, you remember, to, to doubting Thomas by the wounds on his hands. When we get to heaven, we're going to recognize Jesus by the wounds on his body. Israel was, w- will recognize him by those same wounds. And someone may say to him, as Zechariah chapter 13 verse 6 says, and if one asks him, what are these wounds on your back? He will say, the wounds I received in the house of my friend. That was speaking of the Messiah. That was speaking of Jesus. But the lamb is also precious in his stance. Because how do we see the lamb? He's standing. He's standing. Not only is he a redeeming lamb, he's a resurrected lamb. That's encouraging. I want to tell you that Jesus is alive and well on his throne in heaven. Think about this. The head that once was crowned with thrones, or thorns in, is crowned in glory. Now a royal diadem adorns the mighty victor's brow. Now don't think for one moment that what we're seeing here is inconsistent uh, or, or there's some difference here to see Jesus both as a lion and as a lamb. Because as a lamb, he's our redeemer. As a lion, he's our ruler. As the lamb, he's our savior. As a lion, he's the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament. As the lamb, he is pictured in the New Testament. And so we see him here in the picture of the lamb. But notice the third thing that we see here, how he's described, perfect as the Lord. Notice again in verse 6. We're told in verse 6, he said, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, notice, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the world. So uh, there, there we would start to be, okay, what does this mean? I don't understand all this seven... Seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits. What does that mean? Well, we're once again here reminded that the number seven, that's why we have that numbers chart that goes through those numbers to remind you what those are as you're studying through uh, these passages here, that number seven represents perfection, represents fullness, completeness. If you think about horns in the Bible, as we're going to see more in Revelation, horns are a sign of power a sign of strength. When did they blow a horn? When the king was coming, when, when, it, when the, 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 a nation was going out to a, a war, uh, so it was a sign of authority, it was a sign of power, a sign of strength. What are eyes a sign of? Being able to see perception and knowledge. So here we have seven, seven, seven. We have seven that reminds us of the perfect power, seven that reminds us of the perfect wisdom, and seven that reminds us of the perfect presence. How do we see that? Notice he says, with seven horns, power, complete power. With seven eyes, I can see everywhere, omniscient. Think of the omniscience of God, perfect perception. Uh, And then uh, the the seven spirits uh, of God. Uh, We have there the perfect presence of God, that God is present everywhere you go. So in other words, the Lamb is omnipotent. He has the perfect power. The Lamb is omniscient. He has perfect wisdom, can see everything, knows everything. The Lamb is also omnipresent. He has the perfect presence. And that goes right along with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, where we're told Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. The only being in this universe that is omnipotent, that is omniscient, that is omnipresent, is God himself. And so you see, Jesus is the lion. Jesus is the lamb. Uh, the, the lion is the lamb. And the lamb is the Lord because Jesus is the Lord. And that's why the lamb is worshipped. Because the lamb is the Lord. But then I want you to see the praise of the lamb. We come to that in verse 7 down through verse 14. So let's look at verse 7 and verse 8. And he went. Who went? The lamb did. So we're still talking about the lamb here. Jesus. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, God the Father. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so we're told that the lamb who is worthy here, he goes and takes the scroll from the right hand of him who's seated on the throne. That title deed to all of the earth is in the right hand uh, now of the Messiah who had been promised the possession of it, of this world. Psalm 2 and verse 8, uh, a promise that's given to the Messiah, says this. Psalm 2, verse 8, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. And we learn in Hebrews 1 verse 2 that Jesus Christ has been appointed heir of all things. It's all his. And so when the lamb takes the scroll, it's like all heaven breaks loose. Every eye is focused on the lamb. Every tongue is giving praise unto the lamb. From heaven above above. To hell below, the Lamb is honored and glorified. Notice the celebration of the Savior in verse 9 down through verse 13. We read verse 9 and verse 10. Notice they sang a new song. Told you we were going to get back to this new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. This is a new song with an old theme. You know, there used to be denominations, even some still today, who have revised their hymnals and and tried to remove the songs about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You maybe do that down here on this earth, but there in heaven, you're going to be singing about the blood of Jesus. That's what they're doing here, singing a new song about the blood of Jesus Christ. Because there's going to be singing about the blood of Jesus. There's going to be singing about the cross of Christ when, we, when we're there in glory. You know, when in scenes of glory I sing a new, new song, Twill be the same old story that I have loved. So long. There's one thing that we'll never forget for all of eternity, and that's how the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of this world so that we could live forever with him. There was a story of a tourist over in a foreign country, and he was looking at some unusual sights in the city that he was visiting, and during this tour, uh, to one city, he was attracted to this beautiful building uh, that had was crowned by this large tower. And looking up to see it better, he he noticed about two thirds of the way up this building the stone figure of a lamb on the wall. Now, this man he, that was looking at this building, he stopped one of the citizens of that city and, and he asked him why this figure of the lamb was on this wall of this building. And he was told that it marked a place from where a workman had lost his balance while he was working on that building, and he fell down to the earth below. And the man asked, was he killed? And the citizen, he said, no, it was a miracle. He said when his fellow workers hurried down, they expected to find his body crushed on the pavement. There he was, shaken, badly bruised, but he didn't have one bone broken. It seemed that just at the right moment at the right time this man fell there were several lambs who were on their way to the slaughter and as this mason fell he landed on the back of one of those animals one of those lambs and the lamb was killed but it broke the mason's fall and saved his life and so that builder that mason he was impressed that he had He was so impressed that he had that stone lamb placed there as a lasting memorial to the death of that lamb because he didn't ever want anybody to ever forget how that lamb had died for him. I wanna tell you that for all of eternity, we will never ever be allowed to forget, nor will we want to forget how God's dear lamb, how Mary's little lamb died the crescendo of praise, reaches a fever pitch. Notice the next two verses. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." Notice that this praise is a sevenfold doxology because a perfect Lord deserves a perfect praise. I believe each one of these qualities represent everything that Jesus didn't get the first time he came to this earth, but that he will receive when when he comes the second time. He came in weakness here, but he will reign in power. He became the poorest of the poor, but unto him belong the riches of this universe. Men called him foolish. But he is the wisdom of the ages. Men mocked his meekness, but he will be praised for his strength. He was butchered like a lamb, but he will receive the honor of a king. He was rejected in shame, but he will one day be bathed in glory. He became a curse for the sinner, but he will receive the blessing of the saint. Do you see all of those in that? The power, the riches, the wisdom, the strength, the honor the the glory and the blessing seven in this doxology of praise and then the praise continues in verse 13 and i heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever what's that number four what's the number of four on your number charts Four, if you remember, is the number of creation, the number of this world. Represents all of God's creation, giving all of its praise to the one God who created it, and his name is Jesus. And from every corner of the universe, there rings out the acknowledgement that at last that Jesus Christ is Lord. There won't be one single dissenting Voice, the fallen angels, uh, the demons, Satan himself, every wicked uh, Christ-rejecting sinner on this earth will once and for all acknowledge him as Lord. Now you may decide whether or not to accept him as Savior, but one day every one of us will bow before him as Lord. Every one of us is going to give praise unto him who is worthy. Finally, the confirmation of the saints. Look at verse 14. And the four living creatures said, Amen. You ready to say amen? (laughs) After reading all that praise, you ought to be filled, if you will, uh, swelling within your heart to, to shout an amen. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Let me ask you this tonight. Do you believe he's worthy? Amen. If you do, There ought to be a desire at this very moment to fall down on your face and worship him. I want to tell you, God desires our worship. He desires our witness. He desires our work. He made us to serve him, to glorify him, and to praise him. And he deserves our praise because he alone is worthy. That's the point for the whole rest of the book of revelation he alone is worthy he's the lamb who sacrificed it all would you say amen 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 Amen. let's pray heavenly father thank you so much what a powerful powerful chapter here in chapter five Lord, I pray that this will seal for us the, the rest of this book and keep our focus within that scope that Christ is the lamb who gave his body, who shed his blood for us. And Father, I pray that we will remember even though he's a lamb, he is also a lion. Even though he came and sacrificed his body and shed his blood, One day he's coming to reign on this earth. And the victory of all victories will finally be completed. We know already from reading the book of Revelation how this story ends. We know that we've already received the victory. So help us, Lord, that as we're living in our lives down here below in this day and in this time, to realize, Lord, that very fact that Jesus is on his throne no matter what happens in this world. No matter what happens in our lives, he still has the scroll in his hand. He's opening the scroll itself because he alone is worthy to open the scroll in these seven seals. Father, help us, Lord, to realize that. He alone is worthy. And may we praise him in the valley. Praise him in the darkest times that we're going through. And Father, I pray that you will help us to have that assurance that... As we know he's on the throne, we know he loves us, he cares for us. Lord, I pray that we will live our lives from the position of victory, not defeat. Because the battle's already been won at the cross. And when Jesus arose from the grave. Lord, lead us throughout this coming week. Keep us safe and help us, Lord, to come back at the next appointed time as we come to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you again for those watching online. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Uh, Again, if you need that chart, you need the numbers, you need the prophecy chart, let us know that, give us a call uh, or you can pick one up when you come to church. Uh, We have those down here at the front, but we'll see you next Sunday uh, at uh, 915 for Sunday School, 1030 for worship. If you can come and join us this Saturday, we're gonna be having our Easter egg hunt for the kids. Uh, We're hoping to have about 300 that'll be here. So adults, we need some helpers to help us just talking to people. Uh, If you like to talk or you just want to get to know people, come. Um, We'll put you talking to people so that uh, we can begin to build those relationships to share the gospel. But you come. We'll have a blessed uh, day on Saturday. We'll see you this coming Sunday online.